I'm Tisha Bader, and in the news, the attack this past weekend on a synagogue in Colleyville, Texas, where a man took the rabbi of Congregation Beth Israel, Charlie Citron Walker, and three of his congregants hostage, holding them at gunpoint for hours while the FBI negotiated to try and resolve the crisis. One hostage was released after a number of hours, and then several hours later, as things appeared to worsen, Rabbi Citron Walker saw an opportunity told the remaining two congregants to run for an emergency exit as he threw a chair at the hostage taker and then ran out after the other two, all three getting out alive, thankfully. Well, through the 11-hour ordeal, there were many on the ground, in addition to, of course, law enforcement, fellow clergy, many of whom have worked closely with Rabbi Citron Walker for years, who were on hand to offer support and to wait and to pray. Among them, a close friend and colleague of Rabbi Citron Walker, Rabbi Andrew Paley, who leads Temple Shalom in Dallas, about half an hour away from Congregation Beth Israel. And he is kind enough to join us here on JBS to talk about that day and about getting to hug his friend again. Rabbi Paley, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a lot going on. We appreciate you coming on JBS today. Glad to be here, thanks. Thank you. So take us back, if you will, to Saturday. What was your first thought when you found out this was the congregation of your friend and colleague and what was happening? Well, you know, when you hear the news of any community uh, under attack like that, um, your heart breaks and it's a sad, sad moment to relive those feelings of terror and fright, wherever it may be. The fact that it was uh, close to home um, in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area, and of course, uh, Rabbi Citron Walker's congregation and him and his uh, congregants in peril was just, just amplified um, so much, and it was just, it was terrifying to watch. I can imagine. I, I understand you received a phone call for you to come down and, and offer support from someone in the Department of Homeland Security. Tell us, tell us how that happened and what happened. So later um, um, in the day, um, I received a call and was asked to come and and help. Uh, you know, I as a I'm a volunteer a chaplain with the Dallas Police Department, a rabbi. So um, I thought maybe that might be of um, help to the situation, to the families, you know, and to the uh, care team uh, from the FBI in particular that was caring for um, the families. Um, so I. Uh, made my way there as, as soon as I could. And you first went to an elementary school in the area where there was the staging area where things were set up or walk me through that a bit. Yeah, so um, that was the, uh, you know, the, the there were a few different areas of um, where the authorities were um, using to uh, kind of control the situation. One of them was a, a school close by. Um, I was able to be there um, and if and when any um, hostages or anything, um, anyone was uh, in need of some help, they would send them there. So that's, that's where I was. And then later you went to the uh, Good Shepherd uh, Church. Now, where were you when that first hostage was released? So I was at the school. Um, he, they brought uh, that a gentleman there. Um, he was uh, quickly uh, reunited with his uh, daughter. He was in good spirits and they were obviously safe, uh, glad that he was safe and, and uh, secure. Um, and um, to see a, a friendly face and, and amongst all the chaos, um, I hope was 
was of comfort, of course. So um, that he had uh, been released shortly after, uh, shortly after I arrived. Did you get a chance to speak with him at all, or what was your? Yeah, briefly. Um, again, he seemed in good spirits and and um, had the opportunity to chat with him, and and uh, glad again that we had the, a few moments together. That's remarkable to be in in good, relatively good spirits after undergoing such trauma. When you got to the Good Shepherd, what was the atmosphere there like? I know there was a lot of time just waiting, not knowing. Can you explain, can you give us an idea of what that sure. atmosphere felt like? So the church, uh, and we have to um, especially thank them and their leadership and their clergy for opening their doors and welcoming the community as they did. It was kind of a, uh, a gathering place for the media, for uh, people of concern, um, um, families uh, were there, other pastors and ministers, faith leaders um, also gathered there. So there was a lot of um, activity um, in that place. And you're right, a lot of um, sort of hurry up and waiting for something uh, to happen. And and um, if it was all, um, you know, meaningful in any way to avail ourselves of, of help if the authorities um needed it. I know at one point, I wasn't there at that time, but at one point there, there was actually a prayer vigil and there's a gathering and, and all of that matters. And I, I think the, you know, for me, one of the powerful images and, and powerful moments was to see all of those people who showed up and to be there and were there for hours and hours and hours, just sitting there and, and um, demonstrating both to the families who um, are, con- uh, who were concerned, but also to the wider community that um, when, when communities are, are in peril, um, we show up. That's, that's what we do in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And it was, really, it was really moving and very powerful. And I wanna get back to that. And you're speaking about leaders and people from different faiths across the community who showed up. Right, yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a, a testament in large part to Rabbi Citron Walker, who developed these relationships, who nurtured them over the course of his career, and who uh, made that in many ways, the hallmark of, of his, uh, his career, um, to be a bridge builder and a consensus maker. And so when, when there was a need, and he was um, in need, people showed up, of course, they would, he would do the same for others. And many people are speaking about his demeanor throughout this ordeal, how he was able to maintain the sense of calm, which is right. incredible. Right. Um, I heard him saying, well, we're trained to do this as clergy, as rabbis, but I think you also have to be a really unique person because sure. all the training in the world, when push comes to shove and you are God forbid in this situation, I think, and you know him personally, Yeah. Um, this has to come from somewhere within a person. Absolutely, 100%. And I, I think that, um, you know, he would demure at uh, any other accolade about this, but it, is, it says something really, really remarkable about him that, that he was able to sort of keep calm and, and continue to pastor to um, his congregants and, and uh, attend to their needs. He was consistently um, praised by the authorities for um, the manner by which he, he handled himself throughout the day. And the fact that he was able to secure uh, the safety of, of himself and others, just incredible. You never know, of course, how you would react in a situation, regardless of how much training. So the fact that with training and who he was and what he was all about, was able to do that, it's just absolutely remarkable. 
it really is. It's astonishing. And thank goodness things ended the way they did. Sure. Talk about the training for a bit. I know you yourself have undergone some of these courses, which Rabbi Citron Walker was very clear and expressed his gratitude at having these uh, training courses, whether it be with the FBI, with local police, with the Anti-Defamation League, with secure community networks. Right. He was really, it was important to him to acknowledge and give credit sure. to that training. Um, what training have you done and what can you sort of give us an idea of of how that goes, of, of what, what's involved? So uh, he's absolutely correct. The, the um, resources available for um, communities of faith and others, um, other institutions to um, go through a, a kind of a checklist of um, opportunities for um, doing whatever is possible to make yourself and others, your, your institution as safe and secure as possible. We're so grateful that they are out there and all those that you named and others offer those, um, those uh, training opportunities. So, um, you know, those, those come in um, kind of layers of uh, safety protocols that um, faith leaders and communities deploy to make sure that they're as safe and, and secure as possible. Um, there's a lot, of course, that goes into it, and, and every community is a little bit different, but, um, you know, having that is a necessity. I mean, we want to make sure, and not just, of course, in the extreme uh, cases of active shooters or hostage, but in case of, you know, fire or natural disasters or something like that, knowing what to do and where to go and to train on that and to feel comfortable and confident in your ability to execute that in the moment is, is absolutely key. And that's something you touch upon is that sort of practice element of, of anything, like right, right? Yeah, when we course. practice something, it, it sort of gets into our body, it gets into our physicality, and it's right. easier to then react under situations that are sure like this, yeah, you know, God of, forbid. Right, right, of course. And, and look, the, the truth is, is that the, the balancing act between be, being a welcoming and inviting um, institution and having these layers of safety and, and security is, is a very delicate balance to make. Um, but I know um, myself and others, we would always want to err on the side of safety and security, even if some of those processes might be a little bit, you know, awkward or cumbersome or off-putting, you know, safety is, is number one. So, um, but you're right, making sure that everybody knows and, and everybody feels comfortable and and if called upon, could, um, you know, could execute the plan appropriately, the key to, to um, making sure everyone's safe. And you bring up a really good point about finding that delicate balance, which I think has to be really tricky, sure. um, especially as a spiritual leader, as a community leader, you want to impart to your congregation uh, the, the positive messages you're giving them. You want to be um, a welcoming community gathering place. Right. That's what a synagogue is in, in many ways. So how do you find that balance between being prepared, knowing that something could happen in the back of your mind, keeping that awareness, but at the same time, being welcoming, sure. being warm, how do you find that for yourself and your congregation? It's, that is the key question, and that is the, the difficulty that we experience. And, and we all know um, in the Jewish community that we carry this burden of worry 
uh, about safety and security with us. Deborah Lipstadt, um, you know, once said that, um, you know, when you go into an institution, and I'm paraphrasing here, when you go into a Jewish institution, you're, 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 it's nice to be in there and you're welcome and so on, but you also keep an eye out where's the exit. And so this is, this is a worry that we, um, that we wear with some level of discomfort, but it's a burden that we carry. So in um, opening our doors, we, we have a, a sense of, of welcome, right? I hear in the Passover, in the Seder, you know, let all who are hungry come in and eat, right? So we, want, we welcome in the, you know, those who are in need. And at the same time, we have to be careful that there, um, there might be an element of danger. Um, sometimes we get it right. I like to think most of the time we do. Um, but I'm sure there's some times where it's, um, again, difficult or awkward or uncomfortable, but we want to err on the side of safety and security, not just for, for that person, but, you know, for the, for, the, uh, for the facility, for all those involved. And um, it's an ongoing, um, it's an ongoing uh, test of, uh, you know, what the situation is, what's happening in the moment, what our process and procedures are. So it's a balance. And I like to think, again, we, we, we get it right. And, um, you know, we keep everybody as safe as we can. So let's go back to Saturday. Uh, again, you're in the church, you're waiting, the time is going by. And suddenly, how did you, how did you find out that, the, that Rabbi Sitchin Walker and the other two remaining hostages had, had fled the scene and were out? So there were um, a number of um, uh, law enforcement personnel in the church um, at that time, and they um, notified us that something was happening, <coughs> excuse me, and shortly, really shortly thereafter that um, the hostages had been secured and, and the situation was, was over. And, you know, in the moment of hearing that there was an, you know, the operation was unfolding is a, is a, is a gut-wrenching moment because there's so many things that could go wrong. Um, you know, the um, personnel involved could get injured, you name it. And so um, feeling, you know, Oigewald, something, you know, is happening. And then shortly thereafter, this euphoria of that they're safe and it's over and this, this terrible ordeal is complete is, is really, uh, you know, a, a, a wonderful end to a roller coaster day, of course. But it was, it was, um, it was hard. It was, it was really, um, uh, all those emotions sort of rushing uh, to the fore. I, I can only imagine what was some of the things you were hearing around you were seeing when that announcement was made that they were out and they were safe. Yeah, you know, high-fiving, hugging and kissing and, and, um, and wanting um, to in some way to convey our relief and our, our happiness to the families and, and ultimately to the, to those who were released, you know, that, that, you know, that, um, there was a, a profound sense of gratitude to the law enforcement personnel. And there were hundreds and hundreds of them working um, throughout the day and, and continued actually throughout the night to uh, provide that level of safety and security and the manner by which they handled themselves, the professionalism, the skill, the, the, um, the uh, way that they um, went about making sure that we were safe. It's just, it's just unbelievable. We owe them an incredible debt of gratitude and, and thanks. And not just, by the way, not just in, in this moment and in the aftermath, but really in, in the every day in between, because they do this for us day in and day out. And it's really, really amazing. Absolutely. 
Tell us about that moment when you saw your colleague and friend walk in the yeah. door. So um, I arrived uh, back at the at the um, school shortly after um, Rabbi Sitchin Walker um, had arrived, and um, he was uh, making his way to the uh, room where they were going to speak with some of the authorities about what happened. And I kind of cut in, cut in front of everybody just to just to give him a hug um, and let him know, um, you know, on like on behalf of everybody who wanted to give him a hug, he, you know, we, we are so glad he's safe and, and to know that he was loved and cared about and uh, so relieved that, that, that he was okay. So just, it was very brief, um, but um, you know, it, it, I was fortunate to be able to do that. And how did he seem to you? I know it was a brief moment. Yeah. Was well, we had, I, I, we had, I thought a, 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 a kind of a, a funny moment. Um, you know, he, he looked at me, it took him a second to, you know, place the face, you know, in the context, of course. And he, you know, he's like, what are you doing here? You know, and I, this is where the action is. So um, I, I'm glad to, glad to have been there. So it was, it was a, um, a real honor and blessing to be able to, to be there in that moment. For sure. I'm so glad you were able to be there and to catch him for that second. And you mentioned sort of a funny moment in uh, there was an interfaith gathering, a service held, I believe it was Monday night on Martin Luther King Day at um, White Chapel nearby. Also, I'm not sure if you were there. I was not. Yeah. OK. Um, but in his remarks. The rabbi, you know, he 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 made a couple not jokes, but he there were moments of levity. There were moments where he laughed and there were moments when you could tell he was overcome and sure. just overwhelmed with emotion, but sure. seeing that he could laugh and smile and, and joke about something was really also such a lovely thing because you want to believe that a person, obviously he's, this has been traumatic and there will be time to, that needs to pass for sure. healing, but at least you sort of got a sense like, okay, he's, he's intact, you know, he's, this is a human being who went through something horrible, but his, his sense of humor, his humanity, his, whatever his soul, his neshama is, it was there. Right. Of course. Yeah. And, um, I, I saw, um, brief, uh, uh, clips of, of his comments and, and, um, you know, he, he's a good guy. He's, uh, he's a, he's a mensch. And, um, I know that, um, this will, Sort of take some time to process and so on, but um, I, I think the I was I'm hopeful, of course, that the optic of all those people who were there and knowing that there were thousands more who were watching online, along with all those people who were on site at that day, that 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 optic provides a uh, a powerful buoy of uplift for him um, and his family and. You know more than anything else to to know um, deep in his heart that he's not alone. Um, that he will have to sort of go through this process by himself with his family and so on. But um, but there's a there's a whole city, if not indeed a whole Jewish people and beyond that that really genuinely care and did their very best to show up. I've been saying this a lot over the past few days. One of my teachers like to say that you can you can pretend to care. Right, that's kind of easy to do, but you cannot pretend to show up, right? You either you either do or you don't. And the Dallas Fort Worth community and beyond, they showed up, and I hope that that um, will uh, continue to be an uplift for him to 
help him uh, through these uh, difficult times and allow that shine that is in his uh, neshama to come out and to uh, and to allow him to kind of regain who he is and, and what he's all about. And you talk about optics, and I think something that you said, seeing the people who showed up, the thousand, the some one thousand people I think were at that service, thousands of others online, people who have been expressing their support and their solidarity from all faiths. The optics of that really. Right. is what I feel we need to have in the forefront. Unfortunately, yes, we have to mention that this incident happened and this was one person's action, but there are so many more people, the majority, this huge amount of outpouring, hopefully will be what comes out of this more than anything else. And I know that the work that he does, as you mentioned, the interfaith work for Jewish Christian relations, for Jewish Muslim relations. I know you're involved with your community and in other similar endeavors as well, that that does not get diminished in any way, if anything, that it grows even more in the face of something like this happening. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that that will be amplified in the in the days and, and years ahead. It's you know, developing and nurturing relationships is a long-term investment that takes lots of lots of time and energy. And and I look, I I skew and and default to the optimist. So I believe that it's possible, and um, and that's the image that we want to put out there. Faith communities of all kinds want to amplify their. Uh, messages of love, of hope, of possibility, of shalom, of all of righteousness and justice. And we want to we want to stand with and and form alliances and collaborations with with those who who feel that same way. And the more we do that, the the stronger that we develop those relationships. The um, then the uh, smaller the space becomes for that evil stuff to happen. And 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 ultimately, we're not in a we're not in a redeemed world yet, but by Yom Hahu, one day, um, we'll get there. And um, and again, as the as the the difficulty of of that journey, right, is that the burden that we carry with all this worry and anxiety and all these processes and procedures and so on. If that's the if that's the cost of getting to a moment of redemption where where evil and all this hatred and violence is no longer, then that's a that's a, a burden that we will carry. And I, for one, believe it's possible. And with these, with these communities and these amazing dedicated faith leaders of, of, of all, um, all the different communities here, I just think it's possible. I wanna quote uh, something you said <clears throat> when you spoke about the work that you do and, and the work Rabbi Sitchin Walker does. You said, we're not going to be deterred in doing the things that we do community leaders, faith community leaders that stand up for peace and justice and love, we're going to do that. We're not going to be scared into, into doing, into not doing what we do, just the opposite until such time that we don't have to worry about security measures. Look, I believe that. And um, I think as you alluded to just a little bit ago, I think this provides us an opportunity to redouble our efforts and to take a deep breath and to um, be uh, reminded ourselves so that we can remind others that, you know, to be a light unto the nations and to provide a, 
uh, a way forward through the darkness is is the call and the mandate of the Jewish people. And and um, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy journey. But um, we do this with great love and with great care, knowing, in fact, that it is possible. And um, I'm hopeful that um, this will allow us to take a big step forward. I hope so as well, Rabbi Andrew Paley. Thank you so much for taking time. I know you have a lot to do and people to speak with and things that you are um, dealing with at the moment. So we appreciate it. And please convey from the JBS community our deepest support uh, for Rabbi Citron Walker, for the entire community there in Texas. Uh, we really send you our very, very best. And again, are incredibly grateful that this crisis ended as it did. Yes, thank you so much. Will do. Thank you so much. Great. Rabbi Andrew Paley leads Temple Shalom in Dallas, Texas, and we thank him so very much for joining us here on JBS. And thank you, as always, to our director, Sloan Copeland, managing director, Dara Golub, our transmissions manager, Michael Paley, technical manager, John McDevitt, and our producer, Carol Lilienthal. And thank you for watching In the News. I'm Tisha Bader. Be well. Be well.